Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey. Hey, man. Well, the tapes are rolling. Okay. Rolling, rolling, rolling. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, a show about cricket all over the world. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for all of tonight's cutting-edge political satire. And with me in the studio this week is a man who puts the cur in current events. It's Tony Kerr. How's it going this week, Tony? Uh, yeah, it's going well. I'd like to move the focus of this show away from cricket a little bit and more towards politics because you know I've got a lot to say, and I feel like there's not enough people out there who are who are saying it at the moment. It's all a bit under the radar, really. Politics, isn't it? What are you going to get into tonight? Well, I've just you know that David Cameron, <laughs> politicians, what a bunch of crooks, eh? Ato. Well, they're all the same, aren't they? That that Nick Clegg. Don't get me started on that Nigel Farage. See, I read an article the other day that said satire is dead. Apparently, it's all just McIntyre and, and Manford now. And I thought, well, that gives that gives us an opportunity on this show just to... Uh, well, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a gap a, in the market. There is, and we're about to fill it, I suspect. How's it going anyway this week, Tone? <sighs> Pretty well. Busy. What have you been up to? God knows. Work, uh, other things. Yeah. What have you been up to? Not much. I mean, <laughs> I'm on holiday for a week, actually. Tone. You are one of these people who just takes, you just got, you're like, just on holiday all of a sudden for a random week. You're going anywhere? I'm not going not anywhere. Doing no. anything. But, well, you say that, like, uh, a friend Ollie as well was like, you are always on holiday. Not true. I did go to Denmark a couple of weeks ago. That was a holiday. But before that, I hadn't had a holiday since we went to America. Oh, yeah, so that was excuses. Seven, eight months ago. Uh, but yeah, well, tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday, the 8th of May. Tomorrow, Friday, the 9th of May, is Liberation Day in Guernsey, isn't it? So that's a, a national holiday, a public holiday. National, well, it's our national day, isn't it's it? It's our national day. That, I've obviously got off work, then it's my Saturday off anyway. So I've just added a few days on to that to get a nice little week off work without having to take too much holiday. But it's a bit, it's not really panned out in the way that I was hoping it to. I, I booked this back in January. I was like, oh, May, you know, the, the summer will be starting. It'll be, you know, sun shining. I can just go to the beach. Absolutely tipped it down today, all day. Out was, of your mind. I was fiddling around at home trying to think of things to do. Well, I'm glad. You shouldn't be having holidays randomly <laughs> and not going away. I was tempted to just, like, go into work just to sort of hang around. <laughs> this is what happens, isn't it? I mean, the whole year is basically built around trying to get the most holiday possible from... Well, by using the least number of leave days, isn't it, really? That's the, that's the name of the game. That is the purpose of life. So anytime these kind of bank holidays... It's the human enterprise, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to find more time off. It's not every year that Liberation Day comes on a Friday, so you know, you've been dealt a, you know, we've been dealt a good hand this year uh, for one in seven years that it's on a Friday. Well, it's actually less than that time when you think about it, isn't it? Because of leap years and stuff. Well, okay. Could be more, could be less. 
Well, let's just call it seven. No, let's, let's call get it into the maths of it. Let's go back through the record books, look through the calendars and okay. work it out. The one in half a dozen or so years. Uh, I mean, it, what's lame is when it's on a Saturday, isn't it? That sucks. No, because then they give us the Monday off. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> well, but does that, <laughs> yeah, but does that count? They don't want to. It's not in the spirit of it. <laughs> no, what sucks is when it's just on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, true. Because then, you know, you've, whatever you do that day, you know, you've got to go back to work the next day. So just for those who don't know, Liberation Day in Guernsey uh, commemorates our liberation from occupying forces in the Second World War. The remnants of that period left all around the island, bunkers, fortifications, you know, German kind of stuff, German bits and bobs. Uh, <laughs> they left a load of bits and bobs here, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, very poignant day. Uh, you know, quite emotional for uh, probably for many of the older members of our community. How, how are you going to be spending it? <laughs> Well, well, Tony, funny you should ask. In the morning, uh, I am going to a BB war. Oh, so you can do war reenactment <laughs> yeah. at an old German bunker. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's appropriate. Well, it, wasn't, <laughs> it, does, it does seem a bit, uh, a bit distasteful in a way, doesn't it? We're, we're going to be celebrating the end of the war. By playing war, <laughs> uh, it wasn't my idea. Right? It's entirely. It's, oh yeah, yeah. It's a, a friend. It's a friend's birthday. Is Liberation Day every year? Actually, their <laughs> birthday is Liberation Day, and this year they decided they wanted to do BB War. BB War is like a, sort of like paintball, isn't it? It's like also known as BattleTech or Airsoft. All the names. Like so you're going to be tomorrow. You're going to be fighting for the uh, <laughs> Allies or the Nazis. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be like that. I think she's struggling to get people. I think there's about seven people going, so it may not be the most uh, the most high octane. Dad's army. <laughs> I probably would fit in more with Dad's army than with the regular army. I think. I mean, yeah. I I would be useless in a real war zone. It's a good job that there's not conscription anymore because I'm I'm scared enough in a BB war. I just you know I try and keep myself out of the way as far as possible. Um, it's it's a little bit like uh, when I play Call of Duty. I just kind of run around just with my gun pointing at the sky. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the controls. Um, can you can you snap a selfie or something of you hiding? I like this because you're like, oh, how distasteful. You're <laughs> celebrating the liberation by playing war. What are you going to be doing tomorrow night, Tone? Your night tomorrow is going to be, way lads, exactly. lads, lads, yeah, banter, lash banter. <laughs> no, wrong. But it's the, you know, it's the celebration. Yeah, that's, the, that's the real appropriate way to celebrate the liberation. Yeah, exactly. I think it is. Well, I mean, we, we both know how we should be spending it, and that's watching in Scotland in the ADI, isn't it, really? We're going to come on to that later on for sure. There's there's quite a lot to talk about there. Uh, and also, in general, we're going to be uh, discussing the English international season, which is about to start, and the county season, which is well underway. So there's a lot to talk about tonight. I've got some side notes as well. It's the return of the side notes, Tony. God, take cover. <laughs> Hide. Yeah. Hide in the bunker. In my day off today, Tone, I've, been, I've just been very idle today. I describe my day as idle. Uh, and I've really, it's really come home to me today that I'm getting old. I mean, you, you are well aware of my fondness for early nights now. The other night, I literally couldn't keep my eyes open. I was watching a TV show at 9.35 and I had to go <laughs> to bed. Something's gone wrong, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love my early nights. But I'm also getting well into baking. I did, I did some more baking today. I did some baking the other day as well. I made some coconut brownies. You're like 18 months too late. <laughs> Great British Bake Off, mate. That's been a gone now. It's getting like well, behind get, the curve. I'm getting in shape for the, the next season <laughs> of the Bake Off, which starts later this year. 
I'm jumping on the Bake Off bandwagon. And baking is a lot of fun. It's very satisfying, Tone. But yeah, I made I made some coconut brownies the other day. I took brought some over. That's for nice. you to try. Well, yeah, no, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't nice. go. I didn't go Mary Berry on you. What's the other guy called? <laughs> Paul Hollywood. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't go all Hollywood on you. Uh, you know, but I know it's kind of a nascent stage of your baking kind of life, and I didn't want to come down too hard on you early on. <laughs> you said that you liked it. And I couldn't help but notice as I was leaving that you'd left most of it on a piece of kitchen paper in the kitchen. You know, I'm a polite fellow, you know. I, don't I should have thrown it away before we see it. No, it was, it was nice. Uh, maybe a little overcooked on the edges. That's only the piece I picked up. Oh, here we go. So, no, this is it. I can take it. <laughs> very nice centre to I just, it. I want an honest soft, critique. Don't hold back. Soft, gooey. Um, and the edges were s***. <laughs> they were in. <laughs> no, the outside was slightly hard, you know, but it's early. Well, I quite like that, though. It's, you know, because you've got the gooey centre, but just the, the yeah. slight crunchiness on the outside. Then you get... You, know, you take a full bite of it. This is how I'd explain myself to Paul Hollywood. Right, yeah, when he's just like scorning. When he's what you've just bat it all over the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a good first effort. It was a good first effort. <laughs> that, that might be my most hated <laughs> description of anything that I've done creatively ever. It seems to have come up a lot. Remember. It's a good first effort. So I spent hours on this. This isn't my first effort. This is about my third draft of it. It's a half-decent first effort, yeah. <laughs> it's a good start, you know. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. I don't know if you've noticed, Tone, but it's the summer. Hot time, summer in the city. The back of my neck is getting dirt and gritty. It's bloody summery out there tonight, so, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's gorgeous. It has chucked it down all day. I've peeled twice already this year, so yeah, we're way into, we're well into the summer by now. You do peel very easily, yeah. though. It must be said. Weekly peel. Uh, that's a disturbing image. Um, but yeah, England's international cricket summer gets underway tomorrow, uh, as we're recording this Friday, May the 9th, in that most summery of cities. Aberdeen. Uh, hot times, summer in the city. Uh, surprisingly enough, though, the forecast is for rain. It's not going to happen, is it? I think it's something like England have played Scotland three times in one of the internationals and two of them have been washed out. This is going to be the fourth. And the third washout, I think. Just don't try and play cricket in Scotland ever, really, but particularly in early May. There was a photo I uh, saw just before of Mr Moores and Mr Cook sitting on a bench looking basically really grey, kind of no one around, just the kind of miserable bench, just classic English cricket in early, you know, or late spring, early summer. Yeah, just not that enjoyable. No, just not uh, enjoyable in, in a lot of ways. But after that game, uh, there are some T20s and ODIs coming up against Sri Lanka later in the month. And the first test of the summer is at Lords on June the 12th. And this is, of course, the new era of English cricket. Uh, this post-KP, post-flower, post-ashes, whitewash era of English cricket. Actually, yesterday, Tone, uh, I drove past uh, a lorry on the, and the, which is an amazing story in and of itself. <laughs> Stop there. But wait. Stop there. But wait, it gets better. On the side of the lorry, it said Paul Downton Gardening Services. And I thought to myself, blimey, he's out of a job already. <laughs> Didn't take long. He's probably, he'd probably be quite good at that, though, because, you know, he's got experience dealing with flowers. He, um, he'll weed out. You know, problems. He's always had a bit of soil in his pocket. I was I was driving for about another 20 minutes after I saw that lorry and I literally spent the entire drive just bouncing ideas around out loud. Obviously, There's no one else in the car. <laughs> just going, you know, topiary. What can I do with topiary? 
uh, Koi Carp, is there anything like that? I phoned up Gordon McRae, he had no ideas. He never does. Uh, so I, I came up with those two. Yeah, but it was a decent first effort, wasn't it, really? Well, anyway, I've been, uh, I've been taking a keen interest in the county season so, so far, Tane. Probably a, a keener interest than I sometimes do. So, you know, looking for signs of form uh, amongst potential England players. Because, uh, you know, this is probably the most up-in-the-air selection for an England team for the first test of a summer since, I don't know, since the 90s, since the dark days of the 90s, perhaps. So, no, I, I imagine you're not alone as well, you know. It's kind of almost like, you know, when bird watchers hear about a bird that sort of, you know, popped up somewhere and they all pile down towards it uh, to try and catch a sight of it. Well, that's kind of what has happened with county cricket. This is a it? really well fleshed out analogy. That I, I'm just fleshing out as I go, really. But you uh, should have spent, spent 20 minutes in the car. Time, yeah. Anyway, you know what I mean. You get the idea. I do know what you mean. It's like a gold rush. Yeah. For birds. For kind of middle-order nuggets. Exactly. I suspect uh, the England management will be taking a keener interest in uh, the county season than perhaps they sometimes do so there's you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of areas for discussion in the England team there's a lot of places up for grabs uh, what me and Tony have done uh, is we've each drawn up our teams for the first test the teams that we would pick were we the England selection panel Tony's put his hand up yeah uh, yeah I've done it okay. but like countdown I haven't written it down <laughs> so uh, if I go first uh, you know and then you can give us your team then Tony uh, okay so I've gone. Uh, I've gone. Alistair Cook as my captain okay. and opening batsman. Yeah. Who? Uh, <laughs> I felt like he should probably retain his place. Uh, and I've gone Robson to open with him. Uh, he's scoring runs in uh, in County he's Cricket got runs. already. He's got a hundred this season. Yeah. Then I'm going Root Bell, Balance Stokes if he's fit, which I don't think he will. Which be. He won't be. So. Stokes. <laughs> so, so on that basis, I'll say Stokes. Stokes. Stokes, if he's fit. Okay. Uh, then I'm going Butler with the gloves. Interesting. As well. Interesting. Uh, I'm having Moen Ali in there. At number eight. No, well, if well, if Stokes is if Stokes is fit, which he won't be, which he won't be. So if he's not, just just chuck Moen Ali in there. Okay. Anyway, so somewhere. Ali at six. Butler probably at probably seven, maybe even higher. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then I'm going Broad. Finn, Anderson, how many is that? Ten. Yeah. Jordan. Maybe Jordan a bit higher. Okay. So four a four man pace attack there with no frontline spinner, but with Mo and Ali as your spinner, basically. And Root who can And Root can yeah, turn a ball. True. Interesting. Okay. There's a lot to talk about there. Uh, but I'll give you my team first. I've actually drawn up two teams. I've drawn up the team that I would pick, and I've also drawn up the team that I think they're going to pick. And, we'll and just see. before you say it, how many different how many differences? Uh Four, I think. Mm. And that's why you're not on the selection panel, I guess. Well, that's why I should be on the selection <laughs> panel. Um, so, yeah, so Stokes is injured. He he would be in my team. He's he's earned the right to hold on to his place for sure. Um, but I don't think he's going to play. I've also left out Stuart Broad because he is going to miss the ODIs against Sri Lanka because he's injured. He may well be back fit by the time the first test rolls around, but I think he ought to go and play a bit of counter cricket to kind of prove his form and fitness and... I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing at the moment. So I've left him out as well. So this is the team that I've got. Like you, I've gone for an opening partnership of Cook and Robson. I've got Ian Bellin at three. Uh, he scored 200s already this season, so he's obviously in form. And, you know, you'd pick him anyway, wouldn't you? I'm going for James Taylor at number four. Now, he's not necessarily in the form of his life. He's not setting the world alight in counter cricket. But I think he deserves his chance. He's scored a lot of runs for the Lions in the winter. So I've got him at number four. Joe Root at five. Gary Balance at six. 
Um, he scored 300 so far this season and, of course, is the man in possession because he played in that Sydney test. I'm bringing Matt Pryor back as the wicketkeeper. Then I've got a three-man seam attack of Jordan Anderson and Graham Onions I'm bringing in. I think, you know, he is kind of the ideal bowler in England in May. He's the sort of archetype of, that, of the bowler that you want in those conditions. And my spinner, I would choose Monty Panazar, um, who is actually taking wickets for Essex. He's the only spinner uh, to be on the kind of on the list of top wicket takers in the county championship so far this season as we'll come on to talk about in a bit England are severely lacking in spin options you you haven't picked a frontline spinner in your team so that's my selection Tim Bresnan is very much in my thoughts but I'd like to have a bit of a look at Jordan he's always in your thoughts I <laughs> do think about Tim Bresnan a surprising amount actually so that's the team I would pick this is the team I think they will pick I think they're going to go for Cook and I think they'll put Root back to opener um, with Bell at three, Moen Alley at four, Balance at five. I think they'll bring back Pryor and I think they'll bat him at six and then they'll go for uh, four seam bowlers with Jordan at seven and then Bresden and Broad and Anderson and I think they'll play Scott Borthwick as the spinner as well. So a, a, a five-man frontline bowling attack and they'll, they'll back Jordan to score runs at number seven. So that might all be a little bit uh, hard to follow for the listeners perhaps. So let's get into the specifics of it. You're bringing Steve Finn back, uh, and he is the leading wicket-taker in the, the county championship so far this season. He's taken 25 wickets at an average of 19. Obviously, he had that astonishingly bad winter. England deemed him not selectable in the end. So obviously, it is very pleasing to see that he might be coming back into his best form. I myself would like to wait a little bit longer um, just to to make sure that he's you know going to maintain that form. But you're you're happy to bring him back already. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, as you say, everyone's been looking out at, at the, the county, the start of the county season for, for just this very reason. <clears throat> There's only three or four places in that England side that are really kind of locked down and vaguely so, you know, uh, no one's really a lock as such, are they, at this moment in time? But uh, just, I mean, just to, just, just to skip off Finn just for a second, I'll, okay. just, I'll just take him to the top. We'll okay. just give you a few of the reasons anyway. Not going with a frontline spinner. I think it is probably too early to, to make a call. You know, you, you've got Root and you've got Moen Ali. You can do the job. Probably you're looking at the test series against India for for when we really need uh, need someone to step up as the main spinner. And that you know that gives gives the guys another six eight weeks, isn't it? Uh, before that series starts, it's starting like the 13th of July, I think. So uh, a little bit of, bit of time to see who who comes to the fore in county cricket, perhaps. Uh, could be Kerrigan. People have yeah, people have been talking about him again. I mean, uh, he's probably the the best kind of looking spinner of of the the younger candidates in county cricket. And in a way, I think yeah, you should just forget about what happened to him on his Test debut and and um, give him another go. But I I think they'll they will be reluctant to do that um, just because you know they're they're always looking and rightly so for people who you know have got the mental fortitude to handle test cricket I mean there's so many players who you know maybe didn't have the best county records like a Marcus Truscothic or even a Michael Vaughan or someone like that weren't you know tearing up county cricket but the England management looked at them and and thought right that that's a test match player there yes Kerrigan probably does deserve another chance at some point but I think they'll be reluctant to go back to him on that basis that he he did essentially bottle it unfortunately so there there's a there's a dearth of candidates for England in the spin department. James Treadwell has been dropped by Kent in first-class cricket. You know, he's he's obviously the the limited overs uh, spinner for England, but you know they're not going to pick him in Test cricket if he's not even 
you know, good enough to play for Kent. Yeah. So who do you go to? Really, that's why I would go to Panazar, but I don't think they will because I think they feel, you know, for his disciplinary for disciplinary reasons, I think they'll they they don't want to go back to Monty. So you know, I think his England career is basically over. So who do you pick? Yeah. Really? I agree. I mean, I do feel slightly sorry for Monty because he's always been a bit of a joke, hasn't he, for, for whatever reason. And so he's probably not taken as seriously as he might, or you know, as his actual as his game might have suggested. So yeah, I don't know. I think probably his time has probably passed. It's not quite a, a post-Warn situation for England, is it, in terms of uh, losing Swan? But he is a huge character, you know, huge huge in terms of his influence and games and, and the, the times when he took wickets and match-winning performances and off the field, uh, you know, a, a big presence and all the rest of it. So <clears throat> it is difficult. And you, you kind of wonder whether, you know, we might see a, a, a rotating door of spinners over the next couple of years. I think it's not far away from being a post-Warn situation for England. I mean, obviously, Warn was a better bowler than Swan, but in terms of the the gap that it leaves in the team, it's, you know, it's fairly comparable um, just in the sense that, I mean, England have actually have been reasonably well stocked with spinners over the last sort of 15 years. Other than the odd game here or there for people like Richard Dawson or Gareth Batty, they've basically had first Ashley Giles, then Panazar for a few years, and then Swan. Like, you think of the number of people that have been tried in all the other positions in the England team. The spinner has been fairly constant. And now you think, well, who is it going to be? And yeah, as you say, they probably will rotate quite a few. I can see, I can definitely see the appeal of just picking four fast bowlers and, and using Root and Ali to, uh, to to make up those overs as a spinner. Particularly in England in May, it, it's unlikely that your spin bowler is going to be your match winner. It's unlikely that your spin bowler would even get through that many overs. But I'm very hesitant to go into any Test match without a frontline spin bowler because if things do go wrong, you know, say if, if Sri Lanka start to pile up, you know, 350, 400. If you're just running in all the time with uh, quick bowlers, it's quite a one-dimensional attack. And I don't know whether Root and Ali are actually good enough. You could argue that they're probably going to be at least as good as um, any of the options that England have for the frontline spinner. But I think if you're talking about, well, we're going to wait until the India series before we actually bring one of these guys in and then expect them to do well, I'd like to see them given a go at least in these two tests against Sri Lanka if you're going to be relying on them to take wickets later on against a better batting lineup, in a sense, this it's both uh, the perfect situation, isn't it, to, to blood new players? You know, Sri Lanka at home early on in the season, probably a good time to play Sri Lanka. Uh, aging squad, you know, off the back of that, uh, off the back of the T20 victory. So yeah, great time to play them and. You know, the first test starts on the same day as the World Cup, Football World Cup, so no one's really going to be paying any attention, are they? Uh, you know, uh, you know that the, basically the whole Sri Lanka series is going to be buried, isn't it? So well, know, It's only two test matches, actually, the Sri Lanka mm, series. It's a great opportunity for, for people, for, for players to, yeah, just to get on with it. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice way in. So, yeah, it's a good situation. But also, equally, it might be quite misleading because then by the time the India test series comes around, people are going to be sick of football completely. Uh, with England having crashed having out, crashed out yeah, yeah. Uh, and people are going to want to see some good cricket uh, and yeah so it could be that England have been slightly softened by you know perhaps a home victory against Sri Lanka and then and then again to the India series in a different mindset so I don't know but yeah well I don't think we should underestimate no Sri exactly of of course I mean, we'll, we talk, we'll talk yeah. about the actual series much more as it gets close to the time but yeah I just in a way I'd just like to see um, England putting their actual plans in place for what they're going to do for the 
the whole summer in this first test and, and not just go horses for course. I know I've said I want Onions in there because he's perfect for England in May, but I also think Onions is one of the best fast bowlers in the country. And I think, you know, get him in for this series. And if he does well, then keep him in the team. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to see, I would pick Monty to do whatever job he can do against Sri Lanka and, you know, keep getting his confidence up, keep sort of having him used to being in the team and having other players used to him being in the team and, you know, just say, right, you are our number one spinner now. And so that when the India series comes around, the plans are in place rather than, yeah, relying on Root and Ali now. And then when it comes to later in the summer, chucking in someone like Borthwick or Kerrigan again, or I don't know who else it would be, to be honest with you. And just expecting them to turn it on straight away, I think that's quite a risky strategy. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, away from that, I mean, talk about the keeper, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, Pryor hasn't played a huge amount as he uh, since his return yet. I, I don't see any need to to drop him straight back in. Uh, you know, he was pretty wretched in the in the winter. England have got five ODIs against Sri Lanka coming up first, which Butler's going to play in presumably. So you know, if Butler comes out of those ODIs with 250 or 300 runs or something and, and maybe you know a couple of big beginnings then I see no reason why you, you shouldn't put him in for the test series and at least give him a chance uh, if he plays well then he clearly can be a very destructive batsman and probably the same in test cricket it, yeah if it doesn't go too right you know Pryor's then got another few weeks of county cricket behind him more innings more time with the gloves and you know is the kind of player that you could presumably slot straight back in at the start of the end of series again you know if you needed to yeah, I mean, Butler, to me now, does look more like someone who could become a Test match player. Like, when he first came into the team, you thought, well, he's definitely just a limited overs specialist with all his ramps and everything. Um, more ramps than a skate park. That's good. Yeah. Did you bounce those ideas around in the car uh, <laughs> yesterday? But now I think he, he does look like, you know, he is capable of turning into a Test match player. I'm not sure he's there yet. Um, and also you say, well, you know, if he... Um, scores loads of runs in these one-day games, then that sets him up well for the Test Series. But the flip side to that is if he has a bad one-day series, then it would be very difficult to select him. So in a sense, we do need to wait and see a little bit what happens um, over the next few weeks. But for me, at this point, I would bring Pryor back. You know, obviously, he did have that disastrous run of form over the last... I mean, he was England's Player of the Year a year ago and then had a terrible run of form after that was dropped for those final two games in Australia he got off to a great start with Sussex this season he scored a a century at the beginning of April but he's injured now and he's running out of games a little bit to prove his fitness before that first test but assuming that he does get fit and is back playing for Sussex before that squad is announced I would bring him back because I, I remain hopeful that it was just a catastrophically bad run of form that he was going through you know he played a lot of tests in quick succession against the same bowlers who had the wood over him. And there's a worry that maybe Australia worked him out a little bit as a batsman. You know, they, they put those fielders behind square, to, you know, on the offside just to cut off his scoring areas. And once they did that, the pressure got to him and he, you know, couldn't get the bowling away and played silly shots and got out. And that just happened again and again and it reached a point where he just couldn't buy a run. Other teams will look to do the same thing, but whether they'll be able to do it as you know, with the, with the, the kind of metronomic accuracy that Ryan Harris and Peter Siddle and Co were able to do against Pryor remains to be seen. Pryor has had so much success for such a long period of time that I think he deserves one more chance. Particularly because in the circumstances that England find themselves in at the moment, you know they're not swimming in senior players, are they? They've lost Trot, they've lost Swan, they've lost Peterson. 
uh, you know, which was obviously entirely out of their hands. I would want Pryor in there for his experience. You know, I think they could do with that. It, bringing Butler in now, while I think that's something that's going to happen in the future, if you do it now, it's just it's another area of the team that there's a big question mark over. I mean, yes, if Pryor comes back, there is a question mark over him as well. But I think it's a smaller question mark. It's all about keeping the size of the question marks <laughs> to the smallest possible size that you can manage at the moment, I think. I find it hard to disagree with you. I mean, I would do something completely different in, in with having Butler. But no, yeah, I mean, it's that's got to be quite essential. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kind of part of the thinking of the, the select, isn't it, in terms of it, it's difficult. How do they get this balance right between experience and and youth and, well, not youth, but so much, but inexperience, I guess. It's the opposite <laughs> of experience, isn't it? Uh not easy when you've lost so many big players in such a short space of time. One hand, you think actually put a few of them in together and yeah, and they learn together. I agree, though. You know, in an ideal world, you'd probably bring them through more slowly. But has that really worked in the last couple of years? I don't know. Has it really worked? The England team's been so settled, and when players have been brought in, you'd think into a settled winning side. They haven't necessarily done very well, and these are players who have been highly rated. Bearstow, even Root, you could argue. Uh, so maybe maybe they'll perform better. You know, outside of the, the the kind of pressurized situation, perhaps of a of an experienced, settled dressing room. Yeah, there, there might be some truth in that, and you know, maybe like you say, it might just be a great opportunity now for a clean slate. And you know, the more kind of uh, fresh faces you get in there, the better. But on the other hand, I I do feel that you know, if England are kind of if, if England lose a few quick wickets in a Test match against Sri Lanka, I would feel more comfortable knowing that you've got Matt Pryor coming in at seven, then you've got debutant Joss Butler coming in at seven. But yes, if Pryor scores no runs in the two tests against Sri Lanka, it will be very difficult to select him against India. And then you're in the situation that I talked about with the spinners, where you'd have to bring Butler in for his debut against you know a, an even better team. So it's a difficult one, but I, I don't think this is the moment for Butler just yet. I think Pryor deserves another shot. It's not clear-cut any of this though I mean there's no right answer here Tony is what I'm saying so while your team wasn't right <laughs> you don't need to feel too bad at it, about it it was a it was a decent first effort thanks I would say thanks and it'll be interesting to see what team they do pick I mean I've given you what I think they will pick but it's quite hard to say with the change of coach and everything it's you know who who knows what they're going to do it has been interesting, hasn't it? There's been a lot of runs, or a lot of the players that have been touted have scored a lot of runs in county cricket early on this season, so that's got to be promising. Uh, no one, they haven't been shying away yet. Cook, Bell, Robson. Balance. Balance. So so that's that's promising. Uh, I do think Steve Finn needs to be in there. Yeah, yeah, as you said, 25 wickets already this season. I don't really see any reason why he shouldn't be in the team on that, just off the back of that alone. He's going to be bowling he's gonna be bowling decently. Well, absolutely, but it is. he's played, what, four games? Is that enough? 
evidence. Like clearly, he's bowling really well. I mean, he was he was in a real trough, wasn't that's he? That's the thing. If it was just he'd had a couple of bad tests, or maybe he wasn't he wasn't quite in the team, that would be one thing. But he was deemed unselectable. Um, so four county matches maybe isn't quite enough of a sample size. I don't know. I'd just like to see him do it a bit more and then maybe unleash him later on in the summer uh, if things continue to go well. It's exciting, though, the idea that he might be coming back into form. He, he's obviously a confidence bowler, isn't he? And he had no confidence at all, basically, since Brad Haddon took him apart in that Trent Bridge test. And, you know, maybe if he just starts getting his confidence back now, then uh, then that would be great because clearly he's got all the attributes to become a fantastic test match bowler you know who else was a fantastic test match bowler team go on andrew flintoff right and i don't know if you saw this story this week um i'll read you this article from bbc sport andrew flintoff lancashire play down reports of t20 comeback lancashire have played down reports that former england all-rounder andrew flintoff could come out of retirement to play for them in the t20 blast the 36 year old who retired in 2010 has recently been training with the first team at old trafford as well as coaching the club's academy players. BBC Radio Lancashire reports that no offer has been made to Flintoff to resume his playing career. However, the club have not ruled out the possibility either. Flintoff's return for Lancashire would have a positive effect on attendances for their T20 Blast games. However, former Lancashire and England scene bowler Paul Allett, now a member of the club's committee, says there is a long way to go before that happens. Quote, Andrew has been down at the ground over the last couple of months and has been mentoring the academy. He put his pads on to have a bat and he has been batting and bowling pretty well, but he has not played cricket or done any running around the outfield or taken any catches. He has been more than useful helping the lads. Who knows if it will come to more than that? It's the who knows part of that that has got everyone very excited. Well, I mean, it kind of caught into your minds about it, really. In some respects, it cheapens it a bit, doesn't it, when you get these kind of... Yeah, what's he been doing? Boxing. I mean, well... Well, even Game that, shows. Was, that was about 18 months ago. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, the chances of him actually being able to produce any kind of form are slim to none, I would say. Slimmer, certainly slimmer than him. I'm only going on my own experience, uh, which, is, <laughs> right. which is slim to none as well, coincidentally. Your, your experience, which is comparable. <laughs> comparable <laughs> in my experience, I, I can't think of a, a sport where you're less uh, well-placed just to come back in years after retirement and perform. Because you're, you're just exposed in the, the extreme, aren't you? He's clearly not going to be bowl, he's not going to bowl as quickly as, as he could. His eye's not going to be in with the bat, so it just could be embarrassing. I mean, in one sense, you know, he when he you know, when he did that boxing, he was probably fitter at that point than at any time during his cricket career. I mean, he said that, and it, he just looked a lot fitter than he mm. ever was. But to have not really played any cricket at all, let alone at a reasonably high level, for four years. I mean, it's actually close to five years because he retired in 2010, but he'd had a a year where he'd been injured before that. So he last played, I think the last game of professional cricket he played was that um, Oval Test in 2009. So it's almost five years since he last played high-level cricket. And I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're Andrew Flintoff, you're going to find it hard to come back from that sort of break and be anywhere near Mm. good enough to compete at a professional level. He's not that old, and I guess the he's other... not. Yeah, he's only thirty-six. Yeah, he's several years younger than a lot of the guys that are still trundling around the IPL circuit and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And I guess the flip side as well is, you know, just because he's Andrew Flintoff doesn't mean he has to come in for Lancashire and you know score seventy-five and and, and take two wickets. If he's the eleventh best player that Lancashire can select on the day, then why not play if he's going to enjoy it? And he might, you know, he might get a couple of runs and, and you know, stop a banjo. I don't know, you know, why not? 
I mean, I find if he would it... get in the team if he gets to the team on his current ability, then oh, for sure, yeah. Him. But I find it hard to believe that he would be good enough to be considered the eleventh best player that Lancashire could select at the moment. I mean, maybe he's obviously probably got more ability. At one time, he would have been the best player they could have selected, but just at the moment, I mean, you see how much Shane Warne is just a shadow of his former self when he plays cricket now. You know, Flintoff, I think, would be even further from his his old self. So I find it hard to believe that he would be considered good enough. But from Lancashire's point of view, you can see why it's a very attractive idea to bring him in. And if, if he said, yeah, let's go for it, I can see that they probably would do it. Because certainly I would go if I was in the Lancashire area. Because it's a very exciting idea. I mean, he's just so... He's such an iconic figure that I would actually pay quite a lot of money to go and watch Flintoff play one last time, one last hurrah. So that is, like you say, I'm a bit kind of caught in two minds about this because on the one hand, as you say, it kind of, it does cheapen it a little bit, the idea that, you know, some guy who's been retired for five years can just turn up and it makes you question the uh, the overall level of the competition. But on the other hand, you think, well, it's Andrew Flintoff. I'd quite like to go and watch him. Yeah. I mean, you look at, it makes your life, you look on his Wikipedia page at the bottom, awards and honours, MBE first, that's the most important award, they say, Freedom of the City of Preston, <laughs> England captain, <laughs> and then there's a, a slew of other ones like ICC Player of the Year, BBC yeah, Sports Personality, personality of the year. exactly, all of the rest of it. You haven't won the BBC Sports Personality not of the yet, year. and you you haven't got the freedom of the city of Preston either. No, not cheaply. I'm just saying that I'd probably put England captain and other awards higher than the you freedom of the city. You haven't got the freedom of, of the city of anywhere, have you? Well, I've got the freedom of the independent state of St Martins, which is what, <laughs> it, what I'm about to declare. Next week. Oh, and Macclesfield as well. You did oh, yes, there, yeah, at true. one point. A slew of other northern towns. <laughs> the side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. We haven't done the side notes for ages, Tone. Ages and ages. Uh, I actually found quite a few for you this week, but that England chat went on a bit longer than anticipated. So uh, I'll I'll save a couple. I'll keep I'll keep my powder dry on a couple. Um, this first one comes from Crick Info. It's actually a month or so old now. Uh, but I think you'll. But I think you'll appreciate it. Jersey and Guernsey players grounded. Most cricketers will take it for granted that they can get from A to B for their matches, but for the players of Jersey and Guernsey, it is not looking that simple this year. The two Channel Islands have a healthy rivalry in all sports, including cricket, but the transport options between them have now become limited after the airlines which fly the short route, Blue Islands and Orini, agreed a code share deal, which in effect means there are half the number of flights now available, and the timings mean it will not be possible for the teams to make the trip to either island in a day. Another option may have been the ferry, but the timetable for that has also been changed, which leaves the players scuppered unless an agreement can be reached. Uh, Mark Latter, head of Guernsey Cricket, told BBC Radio Jersey, quote, this year the boat option's not available, so it's purely flights and we can't get what we want. Sport is a good proposition. There's a lot of people playing sport in the islands, and I would guess there's a huge capacity taken up in the summer. As a long-term passenger proposition, we think we're a very good investment. But the chief executive of Condor Ferries, James Fulford, made it clear cricket was not a priority. Quote, our main job is to get islanders where they want to go. And if I was to take a ferry off from taking Jersey people down to St. Marlowe because I wanted to take 20 cricketers somewhere, I don't think they'd be happy. There we go. We're, we're well familiar with this, aren't we? It's been all over the news here in Guernsey. Well, it's, it's been, yeah, it's not been that good because the athletics entrance there has had to be cancelled. Uh, swimming have had a nightmare. So yeah, I mean, I don't really know how you how you solve that. Well, the, the world's gone to to shit, hasn't it? Really, <laughs> that's what's happening. How do you solve that? 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, this is where the satire element well, yeah, of the exactly. comes in again. Politics, what a joke. Am I right? You can't get anywhere any time now, can you? It's just not fair. You can't get 20 flights a day between two islands. Would, would you say this is the worst thing about living in Guernsey? This is the, the, the biggest Getting drawback. off it. Yeah, it's actually yeah. leaving. is challenging. Which Definitely. Is ex- expensive. Because you went to London the other week. How how expensive is that? Well, I got lucky and I was able to travel off peak, so it wasn't too bad. There are times, yeah, I mean, if you want to fly from London to Guernsey on a Sunday, don't bother, would be my <laughs> advice. Cause it'll, it'll, you can literally go transatlantic for the same price. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's At the moment, disgusting. anyway. I mean, it, hopefully it'll change again. It's what, on a Sunday, it's what, close to £200 one way Yeah. from London to Guernsey, which is actually, I mean, that's daylight robbery. Our friend Nick went to London for the weekend uh, and was coming back to Guernsey, but he was running late for his flight. So he thought, I'm not going to make it if I wait for the train, so I'll get a taxi. So he got a taxi from the central London to Gatwick, which must have cost him. How much do you reckon that cost him? Probably 80 quid. Yeah, 80. I think it was close to 100, actually. Yeah. So it cost him about 100 quid to get to the airport. And he got there to discover that he was too late for the flight. He missed <laughs> it. So he had to rebook. The next day, uh, and that flight, I think, cost him something like £200. And then he had to go back into London on the train and then get another train back. So it was probably about another 50 quid. I mean, that's just eye-watering. Yeah, it's not nice, is I it? mean, because it happened to someone else, it's I think it's really swallow. funny. Yeah, exactly. But if it happened to me, it would be... Uh... I just wouldn't bother, really. I'd just <laughs> never come back. It would be easier. I wouldn't be able to afford to come back. <laughs> Do you know how many coconut brownies I'd have to make and sell to afford that amount? A lot because you need to perfect the recipe first. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got one more article for you, Tone. Uh, you may well have seen this in the news this week because it's been all over the news. God, the news. Am I right? News night. Jeremy Paxman. Does <laughs> this got anything to do with cricket? No, this hasn't. I'm, ju- I'm just. I'm trying to workshop just see if there's anything satirical in it. He's leaving Paxman, isn't he? He's quit. There's an opening there for you, Tone. There is, and I think, you know, I'm a similar kind of, on a similar level of intimidate, you know, the way I intimidate you, <laughs> I kind of never let you get away get away with, with anything on this programme. You've certainly uh, hurt my feelings about the brownies, so so I think you'd have no trouble with uh, Boris Johnson. You've got a beard as well, to be fair. You, I mean, Paxman, well, I'm trying to emulate him, you know. You know, now it's Paxman, you say Paxman, you hear beard, <laughs> and uh, you've got a I'm beard. I'm going to shave, I think. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this has been in the news this week, and I've taken the article from The Guardian, but I could have gone anywhere, really. Cricket team bowled out for three runs. News of shockingly low score by Wirral CC spreads fast on Twitter and attracts comment from as far away as Australia. The world of cricket was stunned on Sunday after a team playing a league match was bowled out for just three runs and two of them were leg buys. News of the shockingly low score by Wirral CC spread fast on Twitter and attracted... Co- I've already said this. And attracted comment as <laughs> far away... Australia. As fa- have you heard this before? Uh. As far away as Australia, where fans are still celebrating regaining the ashes. Wirral thought they had... Why a good- to include that? I don't know. I don't know. Wirral thought they had a good chance of beating Haslington in the TACS Partnership Cheshire League Division 3 match after bowling out their opponents for 108 in Saturday's clash. They had won their opening match of the campaign the previous week and one of the players, Matt Garrett, 24, said, quote, it was a bit of a pudding of a wicket, but we were confident we could get close to their score. However, there was some good line and length bowling from them and some poor shot selection from us. 
and we began to crumble as the pressure built up. It was just one of those days. You don't expect the first ten batsmen all to get ducks. It was one of those strange things. That's why we love the game of cricket. I like this. He's trying to spin it like yeah, somehow, yeah. somehow a good thing. The romance. Happen. The only run was scored by the number 11 batsman, Connor Hodson. Garrett, who is studying sports development and physical education at Liverpool John Moores University, said, Quit. quote, Give it up. I hear it's even in the news in Australia. It was just dying down after they beat us 5 0 in the Ashes, and we've prodded the beast again. I don't really know, I don't really know what this is about. But anyway, the team has its third he league match. He said that. We've He's, prodded the beast again. That's what he said. The team has its third <laughs> league match of the season next week. I think we'll do better, Garrett said. Well, we can't do much worse. That's certainly true, isn't it? That is certainly true, Matt Garrett. Yeah, the prodded the beast line is quite odd. I like how whenever we do these silence, we just analyze. We're like, why is, why is the writer or the, yeah, the author chosen to include that? Well, I imagine that either what's happened there is the journalist has said, oh... Yeah, have you prodded the beast again? And he's gone, yeah, I suppose you could say that. And he's gone, brilliant, and yeah. included that. Or he's done what we often do on this podcast and just kind of started talking and not really thought about how the sentence is going to end. <laughs> and then he's found himself saying prodded the beast and he's not really realised how it yeah. got to that point. I can see, you know, I see a lot of us in that, though. You know, we've talked about our low scores before. I mean, we've only got about six cricket anecdotes, haven't we? So we kind of, they do come around every year or so. Because uh, we haven't really played cricket properly for about a decade, yeah. really, in any in any direct sense. But I can... We have talked I, about it, but we got, yeah. we, at school we were bowled out for 22. And then a couple of weeks later we were bowled out for 13. I mean, I think what we... What we Achieved. Produced was even worse, wasn't it? Really, because uh, but I do, you know, I see a lot of that. You know, he said that he would expect the number eleven to be the only run scorer, but you know, we were the sort of team who having being like I don't know six for six or something, six for seven, and someone gets to about four or five, we're sort of like, yeah, this guy's playing well. <laughs> this guy's really got his eye, and he's starting to he's seeing it like a beach ball out he's there, batting like a dream out there. Yeah, but then in some ways that would be the worst thing, you know, because at that point I think cricket. Because we were so bad, cricket was becoming quite an annoying thing to have to do. You know, we'd we'd fi- we'd be out in the field for a couple of hours, you know, chasing the ball around uh, as they piled up like two hundred and fifty or whatever, and then we'd come into bat and we'd immediately be like seven for five, and you think, brilliant, we can go home in a minute. Yeah. And then one guy would be out there, and it was usually me, uh, just kind of playing forward defensives, not going anywhere, but just prolonging the game. And everyone else would just be sitting there going, oh, for God's sake. This guy, Wirral, is in Liverpool, isn't it? So I I should have attempted a Liverpool accent. You should have missed the trick there. I'm not sure. I know what listeners will be thinking. (laughs) They'll be thinking, well, in fact, I'll tell listeners uh, what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you can't do a a Scouse accent. And you knew that at the start. And you knew the Wirral was in the northwest. Uh, And I'm not going to give you the opportunity now to to go back. I'm going to pax when you. That's why we love the game of cricket. No, 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 no. With some good line and length bowling. All I can really do yeah, is... Well, I wouldn't have started that. <laughs> it's not even a decent first effort. <laughs> all I can really do is Wayne Rooney going, uh, nice to see your own fans booing you. <laughs> Talk <laughs> about loyal support, for <laughs> sake. Sort of Brookside. <laughs> <laughs> Much like my attempt at a Liverpool accent just there, this episode of the World Cricket Show is crashing and burning. Uh, so we should probably bring it to an end. We've not talked about the IPL again, Tone. Uh, I think we threatened to talk about the IPL, but I AKA still have the Glenn Maxwell show. Well, indeed. I mean, I've still not really watched any of it, but I did see a little bit of Glenn Maxwell's innings the other day. And again, what do you get, 90 off 
twelve or something. Yeah, something. He's got four of the top five scores this season. Insane. In a highly successful Kings Eleven Pujab. It's actually mental how good they are. Yeah. When this is the one season that <laughs> I don't really care. Did you see as well uh, Kyron Pollard and Mitchell Stark's altercation? Pollard was batting, Stark was bowling. Stark bowled a bouncer uh, and then followed it up and had a few words at Pollard and Pollard kind of waved him away. And then the next ball, Stark was running into bowl and Pollard kind of stepped away because he said there was you know, a problem with the sight screen or something behind the bowler and stepped away. And it was quite a while before Stark got to the crease, but he, he just carried on and bowled it at Pollard. And Pollard was not happy about that. And he uh, went, you know, he shaped to throw the bat at Stark and ended up kind of following through, but holding onto the bat, but then letting it go lower down. So the bat kind of flew off in the opposite direction. But then they were kind of squaring up. They exchanged words. Kohli got involved. Yuvraj got involved. De Villiers got involved. I think later on, Pollard got run out. Stark was the bowler uh, and the ball came into him and he ran Pollard out. But he kind of taunted him before it happened because Pollard was stranded way at the other end. So yeah, bad blood there, and they've both been fined. Pollard seventy-five percent of his match fee, Stark fifty percent of his match fee, which is probably you know just a, a tokenistic gesture. But the commentator was like, uh, all the commentators were saying just again and again was, oh, we don't want to see this. This is the, yeah. we do not want to see this on the cricket field. And I was thinking, we do though, yeah, don't it's we? Exactly what we want to yeah. see. I mean, it's the only bit of the IPL that I've watched, <laughs> to be honest. Immediately sort it out on YouTube. That's been some good stuff. I mean, De Villiers is playing like a genius, isn't he? Doing some ridiculous stuff. I was, I was going to suggest that after uh, getting into the IPL went spectacularly wrong, I might try and watch some of the T20 Blast, the, the NatWest Blast. This the English. Summer. We should get version. into that. Yeah, I can, I can get into that. For that. It's probably more realistic because the games are actually you know, going to be on in the evenings and stuff, whereas well, normally I'd be at work when the IPL is on, but not this week. I could watch some this week. I should have watched it today. I was doing literally nothing at home. So uh, I could have just watched the IPL instead. Uh, so in the next couple of weeks, probably, we're going to have a cricket, a proper cricket person, someone who can actually play cricket in the studio. Well, we have actually had that in before, haven't we? Come well, on. me and you. Yeah. Uh, we have every week. Uh, but yeah, Guernsey coach Nick Pothers is going to pop in and have a chat about stuff. Cricket, probably. He used to play for Hampshire, didn't he? Yeah. And now is the coach of Guernsey. And he played for South Africa, didn't he, in some ODIs? Knows his cricket, is a cricketer. Knows his associate cricket. Yeah, so well, we'll, we'll talk to him about some stuff. So that's coming up anyway. Something to look forward to. Something a bit different from the World Cricket Show. <laughs> uh, so we're hoping that's going to be next week, but um, uh, but we're not entirely sure at the moment. So uh, we'll let you know. Well, we'll let you know by just recording the episode and releasing it, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, between now and next week, if you like the show, there are more things you can do than just listen to it. You can go onto the internet. Our website is cricketshow.net and on there you can find links to everything else, all the other places that we're occupying. Uh, Facebook, we're taking over Facebook slowly, facebook.com slash cricketshow. You can follow us on Twitter, at cricketshow. Tony is at Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V, double R. I'm at Adam Bayfield 12 I still haven't tweeted, I haven't tweeted anything for ages from that account. I need to do that. Yeah, you do. I've not, I've kind of let... Twitter get away from me a bit in general over the last few weeks. I'm going to get back on Twitter. That's in this week where I'm doing nothing except baking. Yeah. While I'm waiting for my brioche to rise, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll do some tweeting. Uh, send us an email as well, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you really like the show, we do appreciate iTunes reviews uh, because they do help to attract. That's the currency of podcasts, isn't it? New the iTunes listeners. Review. So uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who has done that. 
but that's about it, I think. Thanks for coming down tonight, Tane. Cheers. It's probably still raining outside. Yeah. So we're going to have to go out into that. Enjoy your Liberation Day tomorrow. You would be going to this BB War, it's important to say. Well, You're know, criticising no, me because, for going, but you originally were going, but now you've got to work. I Well, no, because I just wanted to find a polite way of, of you know, of, of conscientiously objecting, I guess. Yeah, because you've, you've got a lot of uh, remembrance activities to take part in, like necking a funnel, <laughs> uh, <laughs> lash banter. Well, we'll see. I think that's what they had in mind. Uh, when they liberated well, well that's the, yeah don't blame me that's what that's liberation day isn't it that's, that's the what society it, we live in exactly don't yeah don't blame me blame society is what you're saying yeah well, I, I mean i actually I, I subscribe to that ideal but let's not get let's not get into that now tone because i want to go home and eat some of my brownies which i really like actually well at least someone likes them that's good <laughs> <laughs> no, they were nice everyone else ate them no, they didn't. Didn't they? No. Anyway, take it easy, everyone. Stay in school. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. a man who puts the cur in current events it's tony cur i think it's a current affairs that'd be better what's current events i suppose current affairs what would is, be better what yeah. is current events I'll, I'll start i'll start again don't start again carry I'll, on no, no, it's good to go show, show the listeners you're working <laughs> right go on carry on crack on and with me in the studio no, this week. i'm not gonna let you start again <laughs> no right what are we talking about today then how you been what's the rest of your intro well, there's, there is a, a, there's, there's a gap a, in the market. There is, and we're about to fill it, I suspect. Hang on. Are you getting that? So you're doing a lot of stuff over there, too. Well, I'm just trying <laughs> to find... We're not really focusing on the tray at the moment. Don't panic. Do not panic, Chief. Right, on. Carry on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, let's go. And just do about 15 different things on your computer. <clears throat> you're getting that sense, are you, that we're going to fill it tonight? Anyway, anyway, how are you doing, Tane? Uh, you're doing a lot of things on the computer. You just type. You're like you said to me, right? Tapes are rolling. We're ready to go. 
And I started talking, and you've just been typing and just clicking. Look, you haven't looked no, at ready. me once. You're I'm just ready. looking yeah, at I'm the trying screen. to avoid eye contact, mate. Uh, what was the question? Our fathers' fathers fought and died for our freedom tone, and this is how you choose to spend it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm remembering what they did by recreating what they did by hiding <laughs> in a bunker. Basically, um, everything that goes on tomorrow is highly dubious. You're going to be. You're going to be. What are you, you going to bake next? I don't know, mate. I took a book out of the library. Things to bake or something it's called. It's time-consuming bake, isn't it, though? Yeah, it is, but, you know, you just listen to uh, listen to some music listen or to uh, the radio. I just listen to the World Cricket Show. <laughs> yeah. uh, just working my way through the back catalogue, um, which is still as hilarious as ever. It's, <laughs> it's really held up to the test of time. And, uh, yeah, just, just doing that and baking. I made some brioche today. Bloody hell, churning it out. <laughs> Regular. Paul Hollywood. Think about the bakers. Yeah. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> it's completely blank. Regular hummingbird. Mr. Hummingbird or something. Who? It was Hummingbird Baker, isn't it? All right. Regular. Yeah. You should know this. Regular Mr. Bun the Baker. <laughs> you're, you're a regular. Uh, Paul Hollywood. <laughs> Can't do any. You're a regular Hairy Bikers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.